The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We will talk about the Green Bay Packers having the year from hell. We will also chat about the questions to the bartender, a new segment we have. We'll also do golden kegs. Then a little bucks, a little badgers. We'll get positive at the end here. Uh, but before we get going, make sure you're following along on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter. We had a good Twitter viral. We went like over a thousand views on a review Saturday night. So shout out to that. Shout out Elon. Little algorithm change, uh, respecting the reviews. We appreciate that. Uh, also, we're on Instagram, tapping the keg sports, tapping the keg sports on TikTok as well. We had a TikTok video do all right this week with Marquette, Wisconsin, sort of collaboration plus. Taylor Swift, Marquette, Wisconsin, by the way, get going in college basketball. We have nothing for you on that, but we will talk college hoops as we get closer. There's just been so much going on that it's it's really hard to do college basketball previews. I apologize. I'm sure you guys were looking forward to that. I, I'm sorry that I could not deliver. I, I really do apologize on that. That's, that's on me, uh, but we will have something this week for you. Also, make sure that you are subscribed. Make sure that you are rating and reviewing. We love when people do that. We love when we you know, get that interaction on the reviews, whether it's Apple, whether it's Spotify. We really appreciate that. Um, if we're not on a podcast platform that you're listening on, please let me know. I'm more than happy to make sure our RSS feed is on that channel so it fulfills your needs, makes it easier for you to listen to us on a daily basis. And shouts to new listeners too. Uh, my electrician, Andy, his brother's been listening to the pod. Uh, I forgot his name. I'm, I'm really sorry for that. But he's been listening to the pod, and that's awesome. And Andy told me about it yesterday. No, I don't, I don't need to share that. Shout out to anybody new that's been listening to the program recently, and and hopefully you guys stay on board. And however you're coming in, word of mouth, it's great. Pass along to your friends, man. We really we appreciate all the love and support throughout the state of Wisconsin and those who are not currently living in the state. All right, let's talk about the debacle in Detroit. The Green Bay Packers started out this game, and it looked like it was going to be the get-right game that I think all of us believe, right? All of us thought that this was going to be this monumental turnaround, big point of the season where Green Bay scores anywhere from 24 to 35 points and they look like they're cooking on all cylinders. Everybody's feeling good. The whole fucking thing was in motion to then launch you into into Dallas and have sort of this good positive momentum going into the biggest game of the season against the Dallas Cowboys and the Mike McCarthy-led team that is very good right now. As McCarthy says, he's a very successful head coach. He has a very successful team. And we'll talk a lot about Packers-Cowboys this week. But I truly thought this was going to be the game that turned around the season and the team. But now they're in disarray for a fifth straight week. Everybody's calling it rock bottom. I've been at rock bottom point since the Jets game. I felt like that was the first trip to rock bottom. The Packers were kind of digging their way out right. They were still kind of buried with the games against Washington and Buffalo. But you expected in the Detroit game to kind of have the arm raising like the Undertaker would if he was in a buried alive match. But instead, they fell to the depths of hell. And the Packers do have the season from hell. And we'll get into why. But I want to talk a little bit more about this game before we get into the main topic of today's show. 
Packers scored nine points against the worst defense in the NFL. And, it, and it's not even just like a advanced metrics where they suck. Like they are bad. And I realize they fired the defensive backs coach. Maybe that made a difference. Maybe now running their defensive backs changed things a little bit. But that shouldn't be a seismic change to only allow nine points. And maybe Aaron Glenn was coaching for his job and the players like playing for Coach Glenn and that was part of it. I have no idea. But still, nine points is nine points against the worst defense in football. And they begged Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball and he did and he came up short. The Lions made major changes after getting embarrassed by the Miami Dolphins. After blowing a 14-point lead, they fired their defense back, coach, as mentioned. The Indianapolis Colts fired their offensive coordinator after losing to the Commanders last week. The Packers need to make some changes. The Pack, it's no more of, hey, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing because it's not fucking working. If that means Absenovich gets demoted to offensive line coach, so be it. Or if Tom Clemens takes over for offensive coordinator or Jason Vrabel, so be it. I don't give a shit. I, to me, this is like one of the worst five-game stretches in my, my lifetime as a Packer fan because it was so unexpected. I never saw it coming. I, in a million years, I wouldn't have told you that this Packer team was 3-6 and six in nine weeks into the season. If you told me that in July or June, I'd be clowning you on TikTok being like, can you believe this fucking guy thinks the Packers aren't going to make the playoffs? What the fuck is he thinking about? We're a Super Bowl team, yada, yada, yada. I was yelling, see you in, in Glendale, drunk at a wedding in the middle of August. How the fuck did this happen, right? And, and a lot of people want to blame Aaron Rodgers, and I do think some of the blame goes there, right? But they, it's a collective unit. It's how Brian Gunacus built this team. Please listen to the Goody Pod we did last week. I think it's gonna it really will open your eyes on why Brian Gunacus should be on the hot seat. And I think there's there are more problems than just 12. It's Joe Barry. It's the way that LaFleur and Rodgers aren't really working well together. There's there's just the rookies, the lack of succession planning. For Devontae Adams, watching Juju Smith-Schuster come up with big catch after big catch. Like, I would have loved Juju Smith-Schuster on this team, right? I would have loved that. Or overpaying for Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I realize he did not have an impact in that Chiefs game. But Marquez was a guy you probably should have just brought back for just the sake of consistency and fluidity, right? Like, that's, that's a guy that you should have brought back. The Packers have done an absolute garbage job with this roster, and that's not just giving 12 a ton of money. And I understand that a lot of people are regretting that deal. A lot of people are saying this is one of the worst deals and the Packers are tied to it. I, I, I'd really like to ask you that what your opinion was of paying him at the end of the last season. Yeah, I just don't know how many people would have felt that way, even with what happened against San Francisco. I truly don't think people were like, yeah, we don't want to pay this guy. I don't think there were a lot of us, right? And you just have to be honest with yourself. You can't be a prisoner in a moment. You can't get caught up in it. You all wanted to pay Aaron Rodgers, and now we're unfortunately reaping this. And I, when I say you all, I, I'm including myself here. This is not like a I told you so. I was never beating the drum for Jordan Love. I thought that Jordan Love is not a bad draft pick, and I still contend with that, but... 
the longer we go without any sort of young receiver, you know, kind of taking that next step, like having Michael Pittman or having T Higgins right now would be really fucking good, right? And Indianapolis, who wanted Jordan Love, who that was the rumor, and Indianapolis traded down to get a receiver. That receiver is Michael Pittman. I realize the Colts are very bad and not a good football team. But at the same time, having a player of Michael Pittman's stature would be really nice for what Green Bay is doing at this very moment. But it's the year from hell, man. And there are some years that are just like this. Bill Simmons coined this theory. I would imagine he talks about it on his podcast today which gets listened to by a lot more people. I kind of hope that we have the same podcast title. Uh, that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, but seriously, like I, I, this is the year from hell. And I have a lot of things to go over about why it actually is a hellacious year for the Green Bay Packers. Number one is the Packers haven't caught a single break all year. It's funny that there are people who think Packers get all the calls, that the refs are always on their side. It's hilarious in fact that both the Commanders and Lions game were won by the opposition because the refs were cool with basically the receivers doing an offensive illegal contact. Like they ran up, pushed pushed themselves into the corner and got a penalty. The Packers had a stop on third and 15 down eight to six and they would have got the ball back probably around their 50. I realized the offense was not cooking but there is a chance that you get a couple, you get a first down, right? And it's not, it could be 9 8, or it could be, you know, six, what would be the touchdown? 12. But they probably wanted to take, they just take the extra point, 13 to 8, right? And then who knows what happens, right? Who knows where it goes? And then all the pressure goes back onto a Lions team that was having trouble scoring all second halves throughout the entire season. They, I think they hadn't scored in the second half maybe all year. Is that the stat? I can't remember, but it, it's been bad in the second half for Detroit and bailed out by a PI. And same with the Washington game. There was a that was a direct correlation that led to a touchdown. And so I, I realize that that's sour grapes, but it's like if those plays go our way, if the Christian Watson catch in week one happens. It, like there are so many moments. We should have known maybe when the Watson catch was dropped to start the year that this was going to be a year from hell. Nothing has gotten better. It is continued face palm after face palm, embarrassment after embarrassment. And yeah, the Packers just can't necessarily seem to get those breaks, seem to get those lucky bounces. They're not popping to the Packers way. And that's extremely frustrating. Hellfire and Brimstone keeps on keeps on keeping on with the Packers' inability to stay healthy. Uh, they lost, I believe, eight starters in this game. Packers, I mean, this is so quintessential 2022 Packers. Packers looked ready to go. The Packers looked like as healthy as they've been all season. They were really just missing Randall Cobb. Like, other than that, and Devondre Campbell for that matter. But, like, other than Cobb and Campbell... Like, this team was fully loaded, and then eight of them go down with injuries, including David Bakhtiari, who tried to play at the last two minutes, Aaron Jones in, in a walking boot. Four guys left the game in a walking boot. And you have to play Dallas, Tennessee, and Philly the next three weeks with probably a few of your playmakers on both sides of the ball missing. That's an all-out disaster for the Green Bay Packers. 
and something that I honestly, I, I don't really know how to wrap my head around until we know the severity of the injuries. Malfoy is pretty good about kind of giving tells on what guys, what guys' statuses will be for next week on Monday. Like it, it was pretty clear Campbell wasn't going to play on Monday. He didn't play on Monday, or or he didn't play next week. And we'll see about Campbell for the Dallas game. But yeah, it's it's a walking wounded team, and they and it's just been that way all season. And the fact that Rodgers might lose another receiver to an ankle injury, Dobbs carved off. We don't know if it's a broken ankle. We don't know if it's a high ankle sprain or whatever it may be. And if it is a high ankle sprain, then that's another four weeks without a top tier receiving talent. And then you have to go back, hopefully you get Randall Cobb, but it's it's just a turnstile, man. There's no consistency in any spots on this football field. And that's part of the you know, year from hell status. Number three is no one seems to be on the same page. Packers being very young with an old quarterback brings back memories of early parts of the late stage Favre career. If you read Jeff Perlman's book on Favre called The Gunslinger, now granted this did not have all the stuff that happened with Favre this year. It's a really good book actually. I recommend you reading it. Um, I realize that you probably don't want to glorify Brett Favre. Jeff Perlman, who is a little bit of a psycho on Twitter, was like, yeah, don't buy this book. Like, I don't want you buying this book. I don't want you supporting Brett Favre. I guess he has a new book out now about Bo Jackson. Uh, but at the same time, I, you know what? Like, it's good Packer history. It's good. It teaches you a lot about the Favre career. And one of the things that they note in the book, and I don't know what year it was, I'd have to look back, maybe it was like 2004, 2005 when Rodgers got drafted, was that Favre realized that he was the old guy, that Favre had nobody to talk with, nobody to joke with. Like all his buddies from the 90s had been retired and it was just Brett Favre. And he felt very isolated and very much out of place. And I kind of wonder if that's Aaron Rodgers right now right? Not bringing in any veterans seems odd to me, right? Where where are the vets? Where are the vets that would just at least give Rodgers some feel-goods, right? I'm not saying you have to do it just for Rodgers, but I'm saying you build sort of that team unity. You have guys on that roster that know what it's like to win. Like I looked at Carlos Dunlap making plays for Kansas City tonight. Carlos Dunlap got a one-year deal up to $8 million, which means that it's all incentive-based for Carlos Dunlap. And Carlos Dunlap's 13 years in the league. You don't think you would like him as a backup edge rusher? As like as just the edge support if Rashawn Gary or Preston Smith goes went down? And Smith and Gary goes down today, and we'll see what the result of that is. But that's the type of guy that the Packers weren't even looking at. The Packers weren't even sniffing that way. And that's the really frustrating thing about Green Bay at this point is it's not just they they just don't seem to kind of think in that different box that they're obsessed with doing it how it's been done for the last 20 years instead of kind of paving your own path and that's it's really disappointing it it truly is and to watch guys like John Schneider and John Robinson the guy for Tennessee who I believe are both Ted Disciples well, I know Schneider is, but I'm pretty sure Robinson is as well. To watch both those guys have very successful football teams with not a ton, right? It's It makes it even more maddening. It's like, why can't Brian figure out his own voice? And he's five years into this. 
How did he lose track of this? How did that go off the rails for him? And you really have to start thinking about going in another direction and bringing in a guy who is a completely new voice, who does not have any ties to the Packers. I know some people will beat the drum for Elliot Wolf. I'm not one of those guys. I want somebody, whether it's from the Bills organization, whether it's from the Chiefs organization, whether it's from the Eagles organization, I want somebody brand fucking new to evaluate everything going on. Mike McCarthy and Ted Thompson were not necessarily in the system before they were brought on. Ted fired Mike Sherman pretty much right away. Mike McCarthy wasn't really ready to put up with Brett Favre's shit and moved on from Brett Favre in 2007 and motherfucked Brett Favre when he threw that interception to Corey Webster. That is what the Green Bay Packers need in a front office. They need Russ Ball out. They need Brian Gunacoust out. Maybe not, and maybe it's Russ is just, hey, you're just crunching numbers, making sure our salaries work. But they need to make sure that they are not doing the same things over and over again and be open to change and open to new ideas. Look at what Ryan Poles has done in Chicago, right? Coming, I believe coming from the Chiefs organization, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's the compensation pick. And then they used that pick to trade for Kadarius Toney. Ryan Poles has reinvigorated that whole franchise. They, they want to competitively lose the rest of the way so they get a high draft pick and they draft another receiver. But if they get another receiver, if they get a Jackson Smith and the Jibba, and you add that to the mix with Chase Claypool and Cole Clement, who's starting to kind of look like a dude now, and Justin Fields, who's been incredible, all of a sudden, like, holy shit. But that was a new voice. And that, to me, is, is what I wonder with just the disconnection. And that's kind of how you turn around that sort of year from hell vibe. Also, other things to bring up, and speaking of the Bears, the decision to move on from Luke Getze and keep Adam Stanovich. I don't know if that's a Matt LaFleur decision. I don't know if that's a Brian Gunacus decision. I have zero idea. But whosever idea it was, it was a bad one. It was not smart. Luke Getze has looked great as the Bears' offensive coordinator. I honestly would not be surprised if Luke Getze has some head coaching murmurs about him next season because I think with what he did in Green Bay, him leaving Green Bay, Green Bay struggling, then him flourishing with Chicago, I think that's going to lead to a lot of potential opportunities for him. It, it should. He should be on the radar and the shortlist for coaches in the NFL. Maybe the Hackett stuff might scare some people just given he was part of that organization. He was part of that as well. But also, what if Luke get, first of all, what if Luke Getze went to Denver, number one, for Broncos fans? But number two, what if the Packers kept Luke Getze and let Stenovich go to Denver? The plan was that Stenovich was going to go to Denver and Green Bay promoted him, which blocked Stenovich, and Stenovich told him no. They didn't, they didn't, you know, they had a choice between him or Getze, and they chose Stenovich instead of Getze, and that's proving to be a bad mistake. And I don't know if that, if that is on Matt LaFleur. Someone pointed out, I forget who wrote the article, but like Matt LaFleur's coaching hires have been awful. And he just has done a really bad job of it. And that would be that'd be right up there with Joe Barry. Because Stanovich has no idea what he's doing. He's out of his element. And again, I, I think a demotion's coming. I don't have any knowledge on it. Just feel like that is part of it. 
And so, yeah, and watch Gatsy doing it with the Bears, things even more. If he was doing it with the Ravens, it would suck, but it would at least be it would at least be out of the NFC and not in your division. So that that's painful. Then the Vikings excitement is again adds that year from hell because you're over here watching the Vikings do what the Packers used to do: pull games out of their ass, win, you know, with talent on both sides of the ball, make big plays. Like that stuff the Packers did. Now the Vikings are doing it. It's incredibly annoying. Now I realize the Vikings have a big test in the next couple of weeks, and we'll see where the Vikings land come come December. But yeah, it's it's really makes it hard. And I'm gonna look forward to not having football a couple Sundays from now uh, because the Packers are playing Thursday night. I'm gonna look forward to having all the Thanksgiving stuff and the Packers not being involved until the very last game of the day. It's just. It's getting hard. It is. It's when this year from hell stuff happens, it's just, it's really hard to get yourself fired up. And I understand all the frustration from my friends. And I think that plays a role. And it's just, we're all sick of it. And hopefully it'll change. And maybe we look back and laugh at this and say, it was the year from hell for the first half. And the second half, it became heaven, and the Packers went on to find their way to the playoffs. But I think some fans right now don't want that. Some fans want to just tank it out and say, let's get a highest draft pick possible. We can talk about top 10 picks. We can maybe talk about C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or Will Levis. Uh, I'm not there yet, all right? You lose against Dallas, I'm there. I'm like, all right, back up the tank. Get Jordan Love in there. Say Rodgers had a thumb injury. His thumb injury is worse. It's actually broken. He needs surgery. Um, Yeah, do the whole thing. And then let Jordan Love take the keys in the second half and see what you have. And if you have something, then yeah, it's, it's it's worth having a conversation about. But if you don't, then you know. And then you can look at a potential top tier quarterback with a high draft pick. So right now the Packers, I think, are the eighth pick overall right now? Maybe maybe a little higher. It's it's nuts. Again, you never see the day. But I think that's part of the year from hell is you never see it coming. And it's not something you can predict. It's not something that you can just sort of see in clear daylight. It just kind of happens. And so the year from hell will roll on with Dallas. We'll see what happens in that one. But a lot, lot more season to play. And maybe the Packers could turn it around. So that leads us in nicely to questions to the bar. I was going to do bartender, but actually it's questions to the bar. New segment. Uh, still kind of working through it. If you have a better idea, obviously let me know. Uh, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram and TikTok. But yeah, there are questions I'm just asking myself. Uh, I have three of them uh, for you guys. Are, are the Packers done? Yeah, kind of. Uh, the Eagles were three and six last year, and then they turned it around, and made the playoffs. Only difference was the Eagles played zero teams that made the playoffs in 2021 during that stretch. They didn't exactly sneak in. They were five and seven in December, then won four games and found their way in. And good on the Eagles, but it's going to be really tough, right? Packers need to win these two at home. If they win those two at home, then. Then they're five and six. 
Philly then becomes a little bit of a toss-up. Even if they lose that game, they're five and seven. There, there's an opportunity, but I'm really taking this one day at a time, right? Like I'm just worried about Dallas. I'm not worried about the rest of the schedule. I just want to fucking win, and I want to beat the Cowboys. I want to beat Mike McCarthy, and I want to go one and zero next week. That is all I care about. I do not care about the rest of the schedule. We can talk about how the Packers aren't done yet, but I don't want to talk about the schedule anymore. I'm done. Like, the chips will lie where they lie. We need to focus on one fucking win and get the job done. So 1-0 this week, and hopefully the Packers respond to that that sort of thing. Hopefully the Packers take my advice on the 1-0 philosophy. Number two, what's next for Aaron Rodgers? I mean, it's a great question. You know, will Rodgers retire? I don't think Rodgers will want to go out this way. Um, I think that the only way he retires is if the Packers go on a crazy run again. They get close, and Rodgers is like, you know what, I'm done, uh, and gets out after June 2nd to help the Packers from a cap perspective, uh, which would be appreciated, obviously. Uh, the Packers would be saddled with a ton of money and would have to keep paying Aaron Rodgers, and that would be no fun. I don't think any of us, any of us would like that, and... It would probably be victory lap time for Ken Inglis, uh, that spreadsheet nerd who all he does is he doesn't really – I don't think he actually watches football. I just think he just hangs out on a spreadsheet all day. But, yes, uh, Aaron Rodgers, it's it's not great right now. And I know some people are like, well, trade Rodgers, get him for a bunch of picks. I'm like, who's going to take Aaron Rodgers? And where are those bunch of picks? Like, I mean, if the Jets come up short with Zach Wilson, could the Jets be a player? Maybe, I guess. I, I don't, I just don't know, right? I really don't. And I'll be very curious to see if that type of stuff, those that noise happens. But the teams interested, I have to feel like, are few and far between. Last, th- last question is how hot's Brian Gunacus's seat? I think it's pretty hot, actually. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Darren Waller stuff got leaked today. The DJ Moore stuff got leaked. I think the Packers front office is in a full-on attack to basically sell their fans that we tried everything we, we could, but we got close and we didn't we couldn't get it done. I think that's lip service right now to the fans. I think it's actually disrespectful to the fans because it's what you've been saying for a very long time. It's like, just finish a trade. Like, if you have to overpay, and the rumor was one uh, first-round pick for DJ Moore, which I think is an overpay, so fucking be it, man. So be it. I am I guess I'm glad they tried, but I, I do think it's a little bit like, well, had something for Waller, we had something for Moore to kind of bring the fans back in on the front office side, but I think everybody's out. I think everybody's out in that front office. I think internally maybe a little bit more uh, steam is growing because of the way they've built that roster. And Mark Murphy had this whole brain trust thing with him, LaFleur, and Gunacous, and it clearly didn't work. And you have to ask some questions about Mark Murphy. I realize he'd have to probably have voted out by the board like a succession-style thing. Uh, you need a Logan Roy in there. But yeah, I... I don't really know how how you can defend Mark Murphy keeping his job either. And so we'll see if those seats get hotter and hotter as the months roll on. It's a perfect opportunity to be like, as the seats get hotter as the, as the months get colder, I missed it, that's on me. Golden Kegs, 
Uh, we do this every week, the best and worst things about the Packer game. Uh, five kegs, leftover chili. Uh, I had leftover chili at, at halftime. And yes, this is where, how bad it's, it was on Sunday. But yeah, it was great. Like, le- chili is probably a top tier leftover food. It just tastes better. I, I can't really explain it, but it just settles in and it's just awesome. And it was great. And I, it was probably the best thing I did during that game. Like watching that and eating chili was very enjoyable. And I do that pretty much every Packer game going forward if I could. Um, I I would get I'd probably get sick of it honestly, but the leftover chili halftime perfect timing, little Miller light on the side was beautiful, um, and that was probably the best part of the game. <laughs> so that's where it gets the five kegs. Uh, on a more serious note, four kegs goes to Josiah Deguerra. I thought Josiah Deguerra showed some stuff in that first half. Uh, he had five catches, forty one yards. In this game, uh, I wonder if Josiah is going to be more of a player um, as the weeks go on, if they're going to use him a little bit in the slot as a pseudo receiver. Uh, what you've seen, what Georgia does with like Blake Bowers, I'm not saying Daguerre is Blake Bowers, but I, I do wonder if there's going to be a little bit more creativity around Daguerre's position. But I really liked what I saw, and hopefully there is more to come. Uh, hopefully this is not just a one-hit wonder for him. Three kegs goes to Kenny Clark. I had to pick somebody from the defense. There wasn't anything that really stood out to me. I mean, I know Jair got that pick, but I felt like they did a pretty good job against the run today. Uh, Detroit as a team only averaged 3.8 yards per carry. Uh, So I thought that Kenny Clark and the boys did a good job, and I think it starts with Kenny Clark most days. When there's nothing really to talk about, then obviously the young son hero of the Packers, Kenny Clark was making making plays inside. Because if you don't hear his name, that's probably a good thing. But yeah, I have to give it to Kenny Clark. I thought he played he played really well and did a great job against the run defense. Two kegs, AJ Dillon. Uh, you know, man, I like AJ the person, but the more I think about his summer and how he wasn't working out and just sort of galvanting across Wisconsin just pisses me off. And it's I wish I, it didn't. I sound like such a boomer, but it, it's true, man. Like, it, it, he seems just slower. Seems like he's been out of shape the entire year. Um, I, I would hope that halfway through the year, you'd get into game shape. But yeah, A.J. Dillon's been a mess, and he continues to be one. And maybe it's not his fault. Maybe it's the system. But yeah, I am not a fan of what I've seen from A.J. Dillon. Chris Barnes is the other one. Chris Barnes did come back. It's the good news. The bad news is that Chris Barnes still can't cover a cold. That that didn't change. Uh, Chris Barnes struggles in the middle of the field, unfortunately. He can stop the run with the best of them, but when it comes to stopping the pass, that is not, not a Chris Barnes specialty. One keg goes to Aaron Rodgers. Um, we talked enough about him. Uh, it was terrible. The other, goal, the other one keg goes to Darnell Savage. Darnell Savage... I don't even know what he was doing in the end zone. He just watched a touchdown go by. Uh, Sammy Watkins could also get in this one keg. Like, Sammy Watkins needs to go. All right? I realize they don't have a ton of receivers. Fuck Sammy Watkins. He does not deserve one more snap. If he's not on the same page with Aaron Rodgers at this point of the year, then when the fuck is he going to be? Like, ask yourself that question about Sammy Watkins. It's ridiculous. Uh, I Get Sammy off my team. I do not want. We'll see what happens, though. Uh, that's today's Golden Kegs. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed. Let me know if there's any feedback. These get posted on TikTok. 
trying to get some sort of Instagram uh, place for him. It's a little tougher because Instagram doesn't like videos as much as they used to, which sucks because then you TikTok to Instagram, Instagram, TikTok, vice versa. You have to, uh, you have to be a little bit more creative. Moving on to happier things, the Milwaukee Bucks took care of business this weekend, beating up on the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Oklahoma City Thunder were playing, or the Bucks were playing the Thunder without Giannis. They did matter 108 to 94. Uh, they also beat Minnesota 115 to 102. My question for everyone, and oh boy, are you guys going to hate this? But, and I, I hate doing this, but when are people going to start talking about the fucking Bucks? I realize the Bucks are not that drama filled. I realize that does not pay the checks at ESPN or people writing about the NBA or NBA Twitter. That said, this is the best team in basketball by far. There's no one close. I realize Cleveland is doing well. They're 8-1. They beat the Lakers today. But at this, I just don't think Cleveland's on our level. And maybe they are. Maybe I'll be proven wrong in two weeks. But I just look at the Bucs, and I think they are an extremely special team. And I know this already. And I was talking to some friends on Saturday about how much of delight the Bucks were to watch on Friday. Like, I was just having a good time. Like, it, it felt like being a sports fan again after the stuff the Packers put you through every Sunday, watching how good the Bucks were from pretty much start to finish was impressive. And I know that, Magic, that uh, Minnesota team, excuse me, is figuring some stuff out, but still, like, to be that dominant, uh, and sort of show your teeth on the road says something to me. Another playoff team that the Bucks beat. I know that people are like, "Whoa, the Bucks haven't played anybody." That's kind of maybe the argument against the national media hype. But it's like they beat Brooklyn, they beat Philadelphia, now they beat Minnesota, they beat Atlanta. So that's four teams that were in the playoff mix last year. Three in the actual playoffs, one in the play-in. How the hell have they not played anybody? They've been playing obviously the teams that are given to them, but it's it's a little bit more than that. So I, I was really impressed with that with the Bucks. They had three-point shooting, came back this weekend, uh, 17 on Friday and 17 again on Sunday, or on Saturday, excuse me. That that's that's good stuff. That that's going to be needed and and kind of a regression back to the mean after you know being so abysmal to start the season. To get you know 17 threes in both games is Pretty damn good. Bobby Portis was an assassin on the glass on Saturday with 21 rebounds. Uh, just a great fucking game from Bobby. Another really good Brook game. You had a good uh, Javon Carter game. I thought Grayson Allen's weekend was stupendous. I thought he really played well. And shooting over 40% from three. He was 5 of 6 uh, in the game against Oklahoma City where he saw the bench. They put Bochamp as a starter who I'd be remiss of talking about. He did not have a good game against Oklahoma City, but he was awesome in the game against Minnesota. Really playing good defense against D'Angelo Russell and other guys on the T-Wolves roster. I, my stock for Bochamp, I just keep buying Bochamp stock. I think Bochamp is going to be a guy for the Bucs in the playoffs. I think that is something I feel good about. Like I, I feel I feel planting my flag on that is much better than some other Wild predictions, but yeah, Bochamp's good, man. And it's going to come for him. Giannis also likes playing with him. Like he set him up, I think, 
two to four times. Like it was, it was incredible. And there, there's a relationship there. And I think when you can have that relationship with Giannis, that is, it's a big thing. It's a, it's a thing that matters. And it also, I don't, I don't want to go this far, but it makes me kind of wonder, would they think about letting Milton walk and letting Bochamp take over? Now that's an overreaction. Bo, Bo, this is very early stages of Bochamp. But say Bochamp's like awesome throughout the year and he looks the part. Like, would you even dance with that idea? I don't think you would because of the Giannis relationship. But it's certainly, certainly interesting. It's certainly something to kind of give a thought about. But yeah, it, 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 this even wasn't a great Giannis weekend. And still, the Bucks 2-0, 9-0 for the season. They have Atlanta tonight. We'll talk about that on tomorrow's podcast. Then they have they go to Oklahoma City and then to the surprising San Antonio Spurs on Friday night. So another busy calendar, but only three games this week instead of four, which is nice. And hopefully means all the fans in those places like Oklahoma City and San Antonio will get to watch Giannis. And I think they will. They probably should. I don't see that being an issue. Let's move on really quick to the Wisconsin Badgers and what they accomplished this weekend, beating Maryland 23-10 to in a game that was pure Badger weather. Like, it defined it. Uh, rainy, cold, ugly. No way did Maryland want to be there. It, they, they, did not, they looked that part. Uh, they did not play well. The Badgers took advantage of some miscues. Braylon Allen... Big day on the ground. Isaac Guerrero, big day on the ground. Uh, they combined for over 270 yards in totality. Uh, they did not need much from the passing game. And Badgers are starting to kind of resemble the Badgers of old. Like the pre, even the pre-Paul Chris Badgers. Like more of the Bielum Badgers. There's just an energy. You know, Leonard's fired up about different calls. He's happy about touchdowns. Uh, you had Hunter Waller's comments after the game about how smart Leonard is and how much work he puts in and how he deserves this job. Then the Jimmy Cook celebration after the game. Like, who, Paul Chris was not doing that. Paul Chris was not getting in the locker room and doing a Jimmy Cook's celebration with the guys. And when I say it, it's like, it's not even a dance, it's just they play that song by Drake and 21 Savage and they jump around in the locker room. That's the type of stuff you need to be doing these days, right? It's not necessarily just what Paul Chris did. And the energy has changed. And I don't know if that's going to result in playing in the Big Ten title game against Ohio State or Michigan, or just the Badgers are going to get a pretty sweet bowl because they're going to keep winning football games. And yeah, there are there are still problems, right? Like Graham Mertz had some, had some dodos, but that's okay. And I, I still, I commented this, back, I think, after the Northwestern game, but Mertz just still looks so comfortable behind the center, and he doesn't look nervous. And I think with Paul Christ, it made him nervous, and I, I think he's done a good job of sort of battling through that. And on the other side of the ball, the defense is starting to play like the Badger defenses of old. You know, they got ripped by Michigan State, who went off for 300-plus yards through the air. It seemed like that was... The Badgers secondary needing desperate help. They get Hunter Waller back this week. Hunter Waller made a couple impact plays. Uh, they also got Nick Herbig off the edge. was a monster. He's been a phenom all year. 
but was really good. Keanu Benton had some moments. Uh, Latu uh, just loves hitting dudes. I don't have his first name, but he just loves hitting dudes. I think it's Cameron. Cameron Latu, he, he just, that might be the tight end who's his brother. But anyways, doesn't matter. He, he just loves fucking laying the goddamn lumber. And yeah, the Badger defense looks like that defense we've seen in the last few years. Like the defense that we we kind of came to know and love, uh, they're back. And that's exciting too. And so, yes, it could be a little too late. You almost wish that the Michigan State game had not fallen uh, right when Leonard was taken over. If you could have flipped it with Purdue and Michigan State, maybe that would have made things a lot better because that's when Leonard kind of drew his line in the sand and said, you're either here or you're not. And if you don't want to be here, that's fine. You can transfer. But I just want guys who are all in and looking ahead to this season as well as the years to come. And the Badgers Badgers have something here. I, I don't know if it's going to result in a national championship, but I think Leonard's the guy. I, I don't know how they can look at the sea changes, if you will, and, and just the changes overall in the dynamics and the play and not give it to Jim Leonard. I was less enthused on the Leonard idea if they were to struggle, but they haven't struggled. And he looks great, and he's he's been successful. And I truly believe that you're going to see Leonard as the next Badger head coach. I don't have that sourced or anything like that, but it just it, it seems like a no-brainer that they will pull the interim tag off at some point. I don't know if they're going to do it this season. They're going to do it at the bowl game. But I, I imagine that Jim Leonard will be the coach going forward. And yes, there will be you know some growing pains with that. There always are. But there's a chance that Leonard turns into the Dave Aranda of the Big Ten. I wanted the, the Badgers to hire Dave Aranda, who's at Baylor. I think Dave Aranda does a great job. Uh, I was all on board with Dave Aranda going to LSU uh, before Brian Kelly did. And I was a little, little bit... Mean about Brian Kelly to start the year, but Brian Kelly, man, all he does is win. And he, that Alabama game was as good of a college football game as I've watched in a long time. Uh, that was a lot of fun. So, like, to wash out the debacle in Detroit, you have, have this awesome game down in Baton Rouge where Jason Taylor's son, who's a freshman, catches the pass to win it. And with the two-point conversion, he also caught the game-winning touchdown. Like, if that guy didn't have, like, three girls on his bed similar to Ray Allen and he in uh, he got game, I don't know what we're doing here. Like, that, I mean, he he probably cleaned up. Like, there is no doubt in my mind. And, yes, I definitely think that this there was a good night to be Mason Taylor in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. But I'm sidetracking. Uh, the Badgers... Just have that to me can kind of get there like Aranda did. And it's not the rebuild that Aranda was given with our Bryles disaster. So he's, he's going to have Paul Chris guys. But how do you build off that? What do you get in the transfer portal? Do you get that dynamic wide receiver who's been playing at Western Michigan or South Alabama and you can convince him that you're going to pass the ball enough for you to get reps and we've had guys drafted like Lee Evans, Chris Chambers, who have been very successful in the NFL and they started at Wisconsin. We will apply similar things. Who knows? Maybe you can sell through that idea. That would be that'd be fantastic, right? Uh, you take that you take that anytime and getting a tight end maybe or getting 
you know, an FCS offensive lineman that's just a road grader from Western Illinois or I don't know, Eastern Illinois or North Dakota State. I, I don't know if he would transfer out of North Dakota State, but you get my point. Like, get one of those guys too. And I'm just, I'm very curious to watch, to watch Jim Leonard as, as this goes on. And I don't see a path that he wouldn't get the job. I guess if you lose out, which would be Iowa, Nebraska, and Minnesota, that would be great. Uh, but I feel pretty confident in their chances against Iowa on Saturday. Uh, we'll talk more about that, obviously, as the week goes on. But it's a pivotal game for both because it's kind of it's a loser leaves town match. Shout out to Bill Simmons again because if they if the Badgers win, they're still alive in the Big Ten hunt to get to to get to Indianapolis. And if they lose, they are donezo. And then they have to win at least one to be bowl eligible. Badgers also win. On Saturday, they are bowl eligible and going bowling for, I'm sure it's been like 20 or 21 consecutive years. But yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. That'll be a good one. And we're going to ride out for the day. Take care of yourself. It'll be okay. Uh, try not to listen to too much bullshit. Um, but I hope you're listening to ours. We'll talk more about the Packers tomorrow. I'm sure we'll do a little bit on college basketball. Only problem is the Marquette game is on like the whip around. And if you want to watch the full game, you have to pay on the Fox Sports app. I don't think I'm going to do that, but we'll see. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll get sucked in. And yeah, we'll maybe chat a little bit about college hoops tomorrow. If not, uh, later in the week before we get ready for the big Badger game on American Family Field. All right, guys. Take care. Have a good Monday. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.